Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your grace and mercy to us. We call upon you, Lord Jesus. We honor you as our Savior and our Lord, our Redeemer, Creator of all things, King of kings, Lord of lords, Adonai, Judge of the nations, the one who is coming again. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to be together. We thank you for the privilege of coming together to look at your word and have the opportunity to do so. We pray for our students as they're away at camp and for all the other ministries going on tonight. And of course, our <clears throat> those of our people who are in sadness, who've, <clears throat> who've said goodbye to loved ones even today. And we pray for others who are sick and cannot be with us. We pray, Lord, that you might help us as a church to be faithful to do what you've called us to do, to share the gospel, to invite the uninvited, to find the least, to find the forgotten, bring them along with us so that we might be your people and be like Jesus in all that we do. So now we ask, Lord, that you might give us some focus for a little while around the Word of God, how we need it today. We need your, we need your bread, daily bread. We need to eat the book, the Word of, the, the Word of God tonight for our own good, for our own benefit so that we might be spiritually strong. So we ask that tonight you would help us to have focus. And first, we put aside our sin. Forgive us of our sins of word and deed. Forgive us when we've not lived today as we should. We confess and repent of our sin, put aside our filthiness so that we might receive the word of God implanted in our soul and that it might find soil to grow in so that we might be fruitful Christians. We pray, Lord, for, we pray for the orphans in Tennessee, and we pray for those who are in foster care by no choice of their own, these children of all ages. How we pray, Lord, that they would find a place, a good place, a Christian place, with believers so that they might be experience, they might experience the truth of the gospel and live by it and have the joy of knowing Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the many who have stepped forward across Tennessee to be foster parents. We pray for others that could do the same and for our church as we seek to do our part to support the DCS and workers and uh, our own juvenile court judge, Jared Creasy, and others. We pray for... We pray that you might help us to do our part as we minister in this part of the world. What a joy it is for us to be together tonight. We thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, again, good evening. If you have a copy of uh, the outline, we're in Proverbs chapter 17. If you've not been with us tonight, we're moving our way through the book of Proverbs, line by line, uh, verse by verse. And uh, we are... Uh, we're, we're, we're taking our time so that we might gain the wisdom of God. Before we look at these things on the pews around you, you'll find um, these cards, the, the Roman road to salvation. Most of us in here know it, but here's what we're challenging our people to do. I'll be talking about it Sunday. Uh, I'll be talking about it the next Sunday. Take a break, but then I'll come back to it. And all, so I'm warning you, it's gonna be, you're going to hear it. But I'd like for you to participate. Here's what I want you to do. 
pick up a couple of these. We're going to replenish these. Pick them up. Take them with you. Marilyn already thought of it. When you finish eating at Shoney's down there, leave that right there on the table. If you come across somebody and you've had a good conversation with them, hand it to them. If you feel confident enough, take them through it and do this. We must, we must, we must, as a church, invite the uninvited. That is our job. Take them. Take them when you go. All right. Proverbs 17, we read it tonight because we all need wisdom from God today. And then we'll focus tonight on living wisely and we'll, the, the focal truth tonight might surprise you. Silence is better than sinful words. That will be our theme tonight. Scott, is that you up there? Can you bring the house volume up a little bit? I can't, I'm not able to hear much. In old age, thank you. In my old age, I appreciate the assistance. Silence is better than sinful words. Let that sink in. Each week we've taken the book of Proverbs and we'll look at all, we're going to read all of the verses. If you're listening to us online, may the Lord bless you. We miss you and we're glad for those who join us and I hear from you and I'm, I'm glad that you can do it from many places, by the way. And we're, we're glad that you can join us here in Dixon, Tennessee. But you need your Bible, you need your copy of God's Word and so that you can read with us. So let's read the Word of God and then we'll highlight and I'll pick up on what I want to talk about tonight. This, I'm, I'm pulling a simple single thread together that's woven through a Proverbs 17. Better is a dry morsel and quietness with it than a house full of feasting with strife. A servant who acts wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share in the inheritance among brothers. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests hearts. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. He who mocks the poor taunts his maker. He who rejoices at calamity will not go unpunished. Grandchildren are the crown of old men, and the glory of sons, and the glory of sons is their fathers. Excellent speech is not fitting for a fool, much less are lying lips to a prince. A bribe is a charm in the sight of its owner. Wherever he turns, he prospers. He who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. A rebellious man seeks only evil, so a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. He who returns evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. The beginning of strife is the letting out water. So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. He who justifies the wicked, he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike are an abomination 
to the Lord. Why is there a price in the hand of a fool to buy wisdom when he has no sense? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A man lacking in sense pledges and becomes guarantor in the presence of his neighbor. He who loves transgression loves strife. He who raises his door seeks destruction. He who has a crooked mind finds no good. And he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. He who sires a fool does so to his sorrow. And the father of a fool has no joy. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. A wicked man receives a bribe from the bosom to pervert the ways of justice. Wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. It is also not good to find the righteous nor to strike the noble for their uprightness. He who restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word, and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher now in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we go here, I want to highlight this from the reality, and we'll highlight on the word strife tonight quite a bit. We'll look at this word. And I want you to again notice um, verse 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. The beginning of strife. Where does strife begin? It's tied to anger. Tonight I'll take some time to give you some of what God's Word says about strife because it is such an extremely powerful thing in the lives of people all around us today and in all of our lives. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So here's the wisdom of God. Abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. So Pat and I have walked with people all across this country for years in ministry. Nothing sadder than seeing marriages devastated because of endless strife. Nothing sadder than to see parents in constant strife with their children. I buried people this year. And at the, at the funeral service, there was such strife, we had to divide one set of them at the front and one set of them at the back. I'm not making this up. The gun report you got tonight on your way in, the news gun report, it's a daily thing. Who shot who? Strife. 
And then we find something very striking in the Word of God. Why even Christians, why even in the church, there is strife. I'll give you some examples just before we begin. This helps us to set up. I try to illustrate each week on, as we do the Proverbs. If you're not with us and you'd like to hear them, you can go back and listen or you can just get the outline. But I want you to take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, pivotal chapter. The council at Jerusalem is taking place. And now Paul and Barnabas um, uh, came back and they reported to the council. So God's people always meet in forms to talk about and make decisions about how we do the work of God. So James gives a judgment here as, um, as they came together. I'm just highlighting Acts 15 as you get there. And then uh, in chapter 15, verse 30, we read these sad words. God greatly used Barnabas in the life of Paul. God greatly used Barnabas to be his advocate. Uh, because of Barnabas, Paul was introduced to a group of apostles who did not want to talk to him. They go and God greatly uses them in their first missionary journey. It's all here in the book of Acts. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they, how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. You better underline the next verse. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement. That's words. That's words. These two preachers, these two sent ones, these two men of God who led people to Christ, who started churches, deep and great fellowship together. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. I won't ask you to turn there. How many times? We saw it twice at least in the Gospels. While the Lord is talking about tremendous spiritual truths that have the difference for life and death, what are the apostles back there with the disciples doing? Arguing, arguing about who's the greatest. One argument got so bad because two of the disciples decided, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? To bring their mother in and talk to Jesus. Lord, will you let my two sons sit on either side of you in the kingdom? What? Are you serious? These grown men sent their mother in to do the work and ask Jesus. We laugh. But that was a big fight. And the other example I give to you is in the, in the back of your New Testament, in James chapter number 4. We've gone there a lot, and I've mentioned to you that there's some, I do believe there's some parallels, and I, I did receive some, someone encouraging me to do it, and I will sometime, Lord willing, 
There are some tremendous parallels in the book of James that link to the book of Proverbs. Uh, and I've, I've said that before, and I'll have to come to terms with that and do it sometime. But here, James 4.1, <clears throat> what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? James is writing to believers. Look, they, they're going to fight at the bar room. They're going to fight at the office. They're going to fight at the job site. But the church? The church? What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. What happens if you have a flood in your house? You can't stop water. Once the water starts coming, you... It's, you do some of you remember when there were semi-trucks floating down Interstate 24 in the Great Flood in Nashville? Some of you remember that? Pat and I lived in Colorado those days. I said, there's a semi floating down I-24. We saw it on the news. Some of you were here, weren't you? Can't stop water. And you can't stop the destruction of strife. There are people who aren't married anymore because of it. There are children estranged from their parents because of it. So tonight we highlight this very important principle of silence and words. When do I speak and when do I remain silent? That's a, this is as practical as you can get. This is like right down there. Well, J. Vernon McGee, the old preacher, is like the rubber that meets the road, he used to say. And some of you probably, he's in heaven, but you can listen to him on the radio just as if he's alive today. I guess they do have radios still. Do they still have radios? I guess they have radios. Okay. Better is a dry morsel. Number one, better is a dry morsel and quietness with it than a house full of feasting with strife. Silence is better than fighting words. Verse 9, he who conceals a transgression seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Silence is better than gossip. And then finally, silence is better than foolish speech. And so we read verse 27. He who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. And then here's the contrast. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. Why? Because he's not talking. <laughs> when he closes his lips, he's considered prudent. There is humor in the Word of God. 
I have to laugh about that one. I also laugh about it because I've mentioned to you before in our family, we all have a real problem with our mouths. So my dad, you know, used to post the proverb for the week on the refrigerator. I still recommend it to all of you with your grandkids and your children. Just it was right. And he put this one up there and underlined it. Even a fool, when he is when he keeps silent, is considered wise. I think that was for me probably. Better is a dry morsel and quietness with it than a house full of feasting with strife. What does the Aramaic say? What does the paraphrase, the Targum say? Better a dry crust with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. You see the contrast. It's one of these better than statements that we have a number of them through the book of Proverbs. Better than. You know, these... these some of the Proverbs are, uh, are contrasts. They're contrasts, generally with the, uh, with the conjunction but. Uh, some of them, you know, uh, are also uh, are, were, are, are, are a double emphasis on the same theme. Like they use the word, the conjunction and. Uh, you have it in verse 2. A servant who acts wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share in the inheritance among brothers. It's, a, it's an emphasis, it's a double emphasis of the same truth. There are different kinds of proverbs and they're meant to give us direction. But you have to read them carefully in order to get it. It's not like, okay, I'm reading the newspaper. And I've spoken to this church in all of my days here. Slow down in the reading of God's Word. Your mother told you to slow down when you ate your food. Slow down when you read and eat the Word of God. Digest it. Think about it. Turn the words over in your mind. This is going to take some time. And that's how the Holy Spirit breaks open truth in your mind. Well, it's better to have dry crust with peace than a house filled with food. I mean feasting. You know, if you've got a feast going on, you've got everything. You've got every kind of thing. A house full of feasting with strife. Somebody needs to put that up before Thanksgiving and Christmas time, right? At their house. Somebody needs to be reminded of that. So I want you to see some of these other passages that have to do with words and how they impact, how words impact behavior. We've seen this before, but we're coming back to it. You see, if the Word of God repeats it, we were on this matter of the tongue in just a few chapters back. Looks like when we're working on it again. Because what did James tell us, my friends? If you control your tongue, you're a perfect person. I think we all have a lot to work on. The sinful listen to wicked lips. Now let's go into it. Verse 4, an evildoer. Please notice, someone who does evil. Who do evildoers listen to? An evildoer listens to wicked lips. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. And a, a, a and notice, and again, it's a double emphasis here. It's not a contrast. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive. 
tongue. That's an interesting thing. People who listen to destructive language, you know what that means? That means tearing people down with your words. Liars listen to destructive words. How do children learn how to lie? They listen to destructive words. Unhelpful words. You know how it is with your children. You didn't think they heard what you said, but they heard everything you said. This matter of sinful listening to the wicked, listening to listen. When you do evil, you listen to wicked lips. Hey, this is what you ought to do. Hey, this is good. Hey, I tried this. Hey, I did this. All the sport that goes with sin. I wanted to read to you from uh, Psalm 10. And if you'll take your Bible and turn over there. Uh, in fact, let me read this cluster of these uh, Proverbs first. And while you're, while, before you go there, uh, 17.4, we just read. 17.5, he who mocks the poor taunts his maker. He who mocks the poor taunts the maker of the poor. God. Mocking the poor. Mocking those who are the least. Mocking those making fun. Abusing. Picking on. When you pick on others with your mouth, you're picking on God. You're taunting God. This is a very sobering truth for us all. Excellent speech is not fitting for a fool. It just doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't match. When someone lives foolishly and then tries to speak excellently, it doesn't match. It doesn't go together. Much less are lying lips to a prince. That would be good for all government officials to read. Excellent speech is not fitting for a fool, much less are lying lips to a prince. Now, Psalm 10. Here we have this, we have this uh, prayer for the overthrow of the wicked. And there are so many things in it, but I wanted to just pick up and uh, point out something to you here. First, the wicked talk to themselves. And they, uh, have in their, they say to themselves, verse 6, I will not be moved through all generations. I will not be in adversity. In other words, God isn't, I'm not scared of God. I have no fear of God. I'll do whatever I want. His mouth, verse 7, is full. What, is, what are our mouths full of? His mouth is full of curses and deceit and oppression under his tongue. What a great turn that is of the phrase. The Psalms are so good for us, they're poetic. Under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. You see, this is what we have when we are not honoring God in our speech. People talk about living holy People aspire to holiness and godliness. Unless your tongue comes along, you're not a holy man or woman. No matter what else you may think or know or understand, if your mouth dishonors God 
And if you speak in these ways, you're not a godly person. Fighting words are words of strife. So let's get to it. Here's a little, here's a little survey. I've done it on your behalf. You can take and look at these later. Here's a survey of the source and why strife comes. Well, Galatians 5, this group on Wednesday nights knows what that is. This is just before we get to the fruit of the Spirit. The deeds of the flesh are evident. This is what Paul's saying in Galatians 5, 19. Here's what you can see, the deeds of the flesh. If you're living in the flesh, if you're living in the flesh, not in the Spirit, if you're lost in sin, you're in flesh, it's filled with, and he lists some things in 19, then he picks up in 20, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, which is a form of fighting, quarreling, and strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputers, dissensions, and factions. Proverbs 6.12, a worthless person, a wicked man is one who walks with a perverse, twisted mouth. You see, a perverted mouth is not just speaking perversions. It is you say one thing to one person and you say another to another. That's a perverted mouth. Proverbs 6.14, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil and who spreads strife. You see, it's not enough when you speak strife, it spreads. It spreads. This causes great damage to people's lives in homes and churches, ministries, at work. You see, Someone speaking with strife spreads it. And others pick it up. Proverbs 6. I gave you all of these from Proverbs 6. 16 and 19. There are six things that the Lord hates and seven which are an abomination. And remember, abomination means sickening to Him. Here's what sickens God. A false witness. I'm, now, I picked it up. I didn't give you all of the things. I'm picking up now. 19. A false witness who utters lies sickens God. You, tell, you don't tell the truth about others. You give false statements. It's the law of God that we do not do that to our neighbor. A false witness who utters lie and one who spreads strife among brothers. God hates that. He hates that because of what it does. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred, please notice, hatred stirs up strife. Through insolence, the word insolence is the word that means rudeness. Through rudeness, or you can translate it disrespect. Through rudeness or disrespect, that is not honoring, showing honor to another person. Through rudeness, insolence, comes nothing but strife. You see, when you don't care, when you hate somebody... When you dismiss them as not important of respect, strife. A hot temper, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. A perverse man spreads strife. A slanderer separates friends. A fool's lips bring strife. So here's the word in 23. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man. 
any fool will quarrel. So what do we do as followers of Jesus? We step aside from the quarrel. We do not participate. We keep away from it because it spreads and it'll get on you. And soon you'll be doing the same. Silence is better than gossip. Now verse 9, he who conceals, this is quite a good verse. He who, this is not, um, this is not meant to conceal in a sinful way. This is what is sometimes described as covering, overlooking, can be the way this translates from the Hebrew language. He who conceals, overlooks a transgression, seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. What does the Aramaic say, the paraphrase? He who seeks love overlooks faults. But he who harps on a matter alienates his friends. You thought that was some kind of a modern saying, harps on a matter. That's, a, that's as ancient as Aramaic language. Harping on it. Do you know what it means to harp on something? Just to harp on it. Harping, harping, harping. It just, it's aggravating even to hear me say that over and over. Harping on it. It's like, enough! This is what, it's like poking. You see, it's love that says, you know what? I have the same weaknesses. I'm going to overlook that. I'm not going to take that to heart. I'm not going to receive that from my, perhaps from my children, from my, you know, whoever, from somebody at work. I mean, I can pick, you can pick them multiple places. I'm going to overlook that. That's the right thing to do, to overlook it. Silence of words is concealing feelings about people and circumstances. It, it demonstrates honor to someone to just be silent about it. Why does everybody have to know about it? Uh, Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God to conceal. It's the same word uh, in Hebrew, overlook a matter. It's the glory of God to overlook it. Oh, I've just got to be, oh, I'm, I'm the referee. Foul, 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 foul. Who put you in charge of calling all the fouls? <clears throat> it's a glory to overlook it. Your children will appreciate it. Your fellow church members will appreciate it. The people you work with will appreciate it. Silence of words expresses love to others. Look, I put it in bold. We never know the whole story, so why tell any of the story? Now you can quote me as that's mine. People have come to me all my ministry life telling me on this one and that one. Not here, but in another church. These two people came in separately to tell on each other. And I said, well, you know, we could have had this meeting together. Neither one of them had the whole story. And they were out telling everybody in the church the story. Look, friends, you think you know the whole story, but you never know the whole story. That's why we be quiet. Pat and I laugh about it all the time. 
one of the deacon's wives in our first church, man, we were in our 20s. Man, we were, that's way back there. Pat looks as good as ever, but some of us look like we've been rode hard and put up wet. But I remember. So what did she say? They'd come to gossip to her. Posy, wasn't it? Wasn't it Posy? And she would say to the person, why are you telling me this? Boy, nobody went and told her anything, did they? They got mad. You don't know the whole story, so why tell it? Gossips never conceal their words. Proverbs 16, 28, a slanderer separates intimate friends. You want to be known as someone who divides people? Some people have that reputation. 2 Timothy 3, as we come to the end of times, and we are, in the last days, this is a, a very, very sobering section of the Word of God, 2 Timothy 3. And I'm picking up verse 3, unloving, irreconcilable. That's what it'll be like in the last days, that irreconcilable. And malicious gossips. I'm talking about not just telling the story, but being malicious about it to make sure that the gossip, the lies, the falsehoods, half-truths do their damage for good. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips. Paul reminds Titus to remind the, the church and the women there in Ty, at that church, the churches he was dealing with. Proverbs 20, 19, He who goes about a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Do not associate with a gossip. A godly rebuke does good to the one who understands. See, that's verse 10. A rebuke goes down deeper into one who has understanding. You see, we need to be able to speak to sometimes to people and say, look, are you sure this is really what you want to do? Are you sure this is the way you want to go? I saw what you were doing and I'm just caring about you enough to say, I care about you, I love you, I'm not any better than you. But again, a, a godly rebuke. Thank God for those when they've come in our life. You see, when you have understanding and you receive that rebuke, it's better than beating a fool a hundred times. Silence is better than foolish speech. He who restrains, verse 27, he who restrains, now notice, he who conceals a transgression, he who repeats a matter, but now it's when you restrain your words. This takes self-control. He who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. You're not hot-tempered. You know the idea of hot and cold-tempered. You're, you're, you're cool in the sense of you're, you're under control. Even a fool when he keeps silent, as we've read. What does the uh, Aramaic say? A knowledgeable man is sparing with his words. A man of understanding is reticent. Even a fool, if he keeps silent, is deemed wise. Intelligent, if he seals his lips. You see, controlling speech... When to be silent, when to speak, reveals knowledge. There's wisdom in that. There's a time to be quiet and there's a time to speak. So something's going on and everybody says, well, why aren't you saying anything about it? Because what is there to say? I mean, the, the situation speaks for itself. Do we not have that phrase in our own language? The situation speaks for itself. Why, why do I have to say anything? 
Controlled speech reveals a cool or self-controlled spirit. And that's what we've seen here in these words. It demonstrates discipline. Silent fools are thought wise because they refrain from foolish speech. The one who speaks with perverted words falls into evil. And that's what we have in verse 20. He who has a crooked mind finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. So consider this, my friends, as we go tonight. Proverbs 14, 7. This is for all of us. First, I'm turning the mirror of God's Word on myself. What about my words? Mike, what about your words? How do you use your words? Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern words of knowledge. But then we have Solomon also from Ecclesiastes. Words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while the lips of a fool consume him. This, there's, think about that. The lips of the fool consume him. His words just consume him. The beginning of his talking is folly, and the end of it is wicked madness. It just he keeps talking. Yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen, and who can tell him what will come after him. So we refrain our words. What did the Lord say to us, folks? Remember? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That doesn't mean we don't have a conversation. That doesn't mean we don't speak well to one another and talk about things and encourage one another. But our words must be gracious, seasoned with salt. You know, when we're out with people who don't know the Lord, their words are, they don't talk as we talk as believers. James said it, didn't he? Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord Jesus is near to the door. How we pray tonight that the Lord would help us as we work on our life of holiness to practice silence and self-control over our words. To the glory of God. Amen? Amen? Now take that track. Take it with you. Let's find some places. Let's start sprinkling them around. And on the back, it's in, you know, we, again, we have, our, we have our, the church on the back so that they'll know it's from us. Help us. Let's spread them around. They're on the chairs. Take as many as you want. And uh, may the Lord bless you. Great to see all of you. Heavenly Father, may the Word of God find a place in our hearts and minds. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ help us to speak like Jesus. Help us to be silent like Jesus. Give us the wisdom to do it so that we might be your people in this place to the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word. It helps us. It puts us back on track. It helps us. It confronts us. You guide us. A lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We hide your words in our heart so that we might not sin against you. We love you, Lord. How I thank you for these dear ones who are here tonight. How much I appreciate them and love them. Bless us now as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you. And Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday. Drink lots of water. Stay in the shade. Stuart, be hydrated. <laughs>